2: There,
1: talk to me, yeah. Yeah. Great panel this morning. Uh, Sam Ackerman with us and uh, Guy Havelt. Uh, we've got a range of subjects to talk about, but we cannot not start without uh, rugby and the Eddie Jones Dave Rennie scenario. Uh, Guy Havelt, good morning to you. Caught uh, a few people by surprise. Did it catch you by surprise?
0: Uh, morning, Smithy. Morning, Sam. Uh, happy New Year's to you both. Great to be on again. Uh, yes, it did massively uh, when that news came through. Uh, I'm a big prolific Twitter user, so that was where I saw it first, and uh, I was like everyone on that platform, uh, absolutely shell shocked. It was, it was out of left field. I mean, just last week, Dave Rennie was doing a, a Zoom press conference talking about um, the squad that he was, you know, using to to kind of prepare for for what was meant to be a big year, and uh, now now he's no longer the coach. Uh, I'm not so surprised about the Eddie Jones element of things. Um, I think that makes complete sense, particularly for a team like the Wallabies, a team that he's had success with in the past. But uh, certainly the Dave rennie element took, uh, took me by surprise. In terms of the timing, anyway, um, mm. if it had gone on a little bit longer, I mean, his results hadn't been good. So in that regard, you can understand it. But certainly the timing, uh, yeah, was particularly left field.
1: So, Guy, would he have kept his job, Dave Rennie, if uh, Eddie Jones hadn't been sacked by England? That's a great question.
0: Um, I, I, oh, that's, a, that's a tough one, I hadn't really thought of that myself um, in saying that his results hadn't been that good so maybe they had been um, looking around and waiting for the person that they needed to, um, to be able to take over that role and, and it just so happened that Eddie Jones was the guy I wonder if they've been knocking on the shoulder of, of Scott Robertson and trying to get him um, but yeah I think sort of that maybe Jones came along and they thought right now's our time
1: yeah, maybe they did. It's an interesting point, actually. Uh, Sam Ackerman, uh, good morning to you. Happy New Year, too, Sam. Uh, look, uh, you know, we know international sporting coaching and club coaching, franchise coaching, is a very temporary thing, but uh, I, I just wonder about this one because uh, we're probably a, a little bit more passionate about it because it, it's it's happened to a guy who's perceived in this country as being a bloody good
2: bloke. Yeah, it is. Uh, good morning to you both, guys, and to everybody listening. It's... Uh, I think 100% that Dave Rennie is the coach if Eddie Jones isn't fired. I don't, I don't have a shadow of a doubt. Because if you're going to pull the trigger on the dude with a uh, with a four win from 16 last year, you don't wait through to now when they're making, as you're saying, putting, putting him forward for uh, media conferences, he's making his plans for this year. I, I don't think you wait that late unless you had... Um, it, and I think that um, New Zealand rugby and New Zealand rugby fans should be celebrating this move in a funny way because it means that it takes uh, Australia out of the reckoning to try to draw Scott Robertson uh, away from the country. So uh, if England have got their, uh, you know, in Borthwick locked in for a while and if i have got Australia now, then the options for uh, for heading overseas to coach is, is becoming thin. The, the, fi- the five-year contract is replacing the, uh, the four-year cycle where people are desperate to make sure they've got the right coach or at least making sure they're not left without it um, come the uh, end of the World Cup. So very intriguing uh, in that context. And and I well, I feel for Dave Rennie. Dave Rennie's way too good a coach. And um, by all my dealings with him, and everyone who knows him, uh, too good a bloke to be kind of thrown under the uh, the bus uh, in this way. I actually think Dave Rennie potentially, I'd just... Just speculating here, might have brought this on himself a little bit when he said that uh, it's not going to happen having Eddie Jones come on in some kind of assistant mm. or overseeing role. Because, had had they been prepared to, you know, they wanted Eddie Jones as part of the setup, he could have come on. He's part of the Wallaroos um, structure. So, the plan is for him to, support, I, think, I believe, for him to oversee both and add his input to it so they could get him on a contract and lock him in and that way move him in to coach the World Cup afterwards should Rennie not be successful. So I think maybe Rennie's strong stance of it's not going to happen, he's not in, in, in the uh, followed up by uh, Jones saying, I'm no assistant coach mate. Uh, I think that personally was what sparked us.
1: Well, I, I think it's, um, I'm not sure we've heard the end of it. I mean they've put a full stop on Dave Rennie but um, Mertz was on earlier this morning and um, uh, he was just worried about the more about the process guy, I think, than than anything else. And um, you know, thirty eight percent win rate is not a very good one when you look at international rugby. They currently currently sit sixth, I think, in the world rankings, and they don't look like improving from there. So, uh, if you take the Rennie factor out, there was perhaps scope for it anyway. Yes. There
0: was, um, and, and as you say, 38% isn't good enough. But, I mean, let's look at the coaches that they've had in, in the last, say, 15 years or so, or 10 years even. Uh, the likes of Robbie Deans, he's not a bad coach at all, is he? Look at look at his record with the Crusaders. Um, you know, Michael Checker, I don't think he's a bad coach. He was he was a pretty decent coach. And now someone like Dave Rennie, and there have obviously been others uh, thrown in there as well. But, you know, that's three pretty darn good coaches who haven't had amazing records with the Wallabies. What does that tell you? Well, to me, that tells you that there's a bigger problem than just the coach, uh, that the depth in Australian rugby, and I think we've all known this for a while, the depth in Australian rugby isn't that great at all. And so, um, you, you know, I, I think sometimes the coach is the guy who's just throwing out because they think, oh, the well, results aren't great, so it must be the coach. Well, I think in, in Australia, rugby Australia's case, uh, there are bigger problems than that, and that is largely the player talent pool that they've got is not as good as, as a lot of other countries in, in in the rugby world.
1: Not sure if it was the biggest headline in Australia yesterday, Sam, because uh, shortly after that, uh, we heard the uh, the news that Nick Carios has pulled out of the Australian Open with a knee injury the day before his opening match. Um, well, we know the impact that he has on any tennis tournament Nick Kyrgios, but particularly his own won the Australian Open when he had i think at full fitness a viable chance for winning. how much is the tournament damaged in your mind?
2: make no mistake. he was the draw card for Australia for the viewers and I think internationally as well let 's not forget that you know he, this is the the guy who 's the the face of the um, the great um, documentary documentaries. It's just been released on Netflix. He's supposed to be the guy helping draw in uh, the casual fan or, or those who don't usually follow tennis. They might have watched that being heavily pushed down their throats on, on Netflix and gone oh, I'll check this guy out. The draw card's gone. At home, massive. He, Nick Kyrgios, whether you love him or hate him, and of course, most Australians now, the way he's kind of matured into is less of a petulant and more of a, a cheeky bugger now than a, um, than a, a tanking strop thrower um, psychopath. He's, he's, he's a bit more uh, into the into the McEnroe. We enjoy watching you play, even though we know you're a brat. Um, it's he he is a, a gel for that tournament. And make no mistake, come out of it is absolutely massive. And, and you take John McEnroe out of the the coverage as well. They might as well start serving strawberries and cream. At, and making players wear white, is losing so much of its personality in that regard. And It's great that Djokovic is back as far as tennis quality goes, and it'll be very intriguing to watch that storyline play, but the Australian Open just lost its single biggest storyline that was going to dominate world sport.
1: Mm, interesting. A guy, as a, a media man, is that how you see it? Yeah, I love
0: Nick Karyos, Um and I, I think he look sometimes i watch him and i think what the hell are you doing but that is why you watch and i've said this i've said this so many times when it comes to the curios debate you watch sport because you don't because you like the 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 unknown factor about what's about to happen um you know when it's a fixture of, of say and i'm just plucking this out of air, but the all blacks against say someone like namibia you know the results, so it's not as it's not as compelling um when it comes Where to the curios you, you never know
2: what's that? <laughs> Used to. We used you never, to know the results. Yeah, who knows now? Well,
0: yeah, that is true. Um, when it comes to Nick Kyrgios, though, you never know what is going to happen next. And that is an enormous draw card as a sports viewer uh, about sitting in front of the television and going, something is going to happen in this Nick Kyrgios match. It's either going to be good or bad, but it's going to be something that I don't want to miss. Um, and and so not having him in the tournament, I I think, like Sam, I think is a massive blow to the Australian Open and a tournament that's already lost a few big draw cards as well and I noticed this morning that there are questions swirling around whether Novak Djokovic will indeed um, play his first match today and how far through the tournament he will get with a hamstring injury. So, um, yeah, a few issues I think for the Australian Open and and certainly the loss of Kyrgios, uh, yeah, disappointing from my point of view.
1: Guy Havelt and Sam Ackerman Ackerman are with us this morning, folks, uh, here on the panel. Uh, We shall see you uh, back uh, after a short break here uh, with the news with Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel guy Huffelt and Sam Ackerman with us this morning and let's uh, talk some rugby league shall we Sam because this is an interesting one the players now and the NRL have issued apparently a blanket ban with the NRL's own media team as a, a pay dispute drags on so they will not talk to the NRL's own media outlets what do you say about that
2: yeah so the, the big backstory of this is this is the players um, association is uh, missed, and there's a bit very dirty on how things have been going with the NRL as far as announcing the, the salary cap for next year was done at the end of last year without it being kind of run through them, so they're dark on that. They're asking for uh, more uh, in this collective bargaining agreement. Uh, it's already up to the Uh, into the billion uh, phase of what's going to be happening uh, with it. And so they're asking for more. NRL's not happy with them. So the players have decided after the meetings didn't go well on Friday to take a stance and good on them. I mean, look, basically it's getting getting attention to a topic that wouldn't otherwise be the case. Also, what the NRL, what are they going to do? Not cover the NRL, on their website for um, the period where the players aren't talking to them. They'll have to take official club stuff. They'll still have access. They'll still be to do it, but they won't be getting... Um, you know, NRL's website is a, a great source of content Rugby League and they have some very good um, journalists who write some great pieces on there uh, for a while now they're going to be talking to their typewriter and working and feeling the cold shoulder that um, the rest of us have experienced life as non-rights holders <laughs> know all about so uh, it's, a, it's it's an interesting scenario and I, I think it's actually a pretty good way of uh, bringing this back up to the table it may feel a little petulant but no worse than um, in, I think in a better light than uh, the players uh throwing their toys over the silver lake situation to start with so it is you know, it, this is, this is the way of professional negotiations now to make sure you drag it out into the public the best you can to get the uh, the mileage you want
1: Been a victim of that uh, have you guy Havelt? i know every now and then uh, certain organisations or certain players have had a, an individual beef with a writer or a reporter from time to time so we we'll, oh we won't talk to him uh he's not coming to a press conference uh, he's banned etc a blanket ban. pretty new by New Zealand standards, is it not?
0: Yeah, I've never been banned, fortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I, I've, this, I feel like this is semi-unprecedented, well, anyway, in, in some regards. But it, I didn't even know what Sam was Sam was saying. there around them going ahead with the players, with the salary cap, and not even um, you know, not even taking it to the players' association. Well, that to me is is an instant red flag, and, and good on the players for standing up to that um, because. I feel like in the professional environment, both sides should be working with each other. And when the NRL supposedly uh, almost goes behind the players' backs and, and just makes a salary cap without much of their input, then fair enough for the players to standing up to them. And, and uh, like Sam says, it'll be, uh, you know, uh, NRL.com will just have to live like the rest of us, uh, the, the non-rights holders, and uh, try and get content other ways, <laughs> which can sometimes be a challenge, but it's uh, part of the fun of the job as well.
1: Staying on the league, uh, Sammy, I, I just wonder what, what Manly are thinking about uh, Tommy Turbo here, Tom uh, Trebovich, uh, with his injury wo- woes. Where, where do you see this panning out?
2: Yeah, look, so he only got seven games under his belt in all last season, and and Manly are a a vastly different side uh, when he's on the field. You know, as you expected, you've got a class, a player of his class and skill. But uh, there, there has been some talk about will. Should Tommy Turbo have been told to you know, take a hike and maybe it's worth putting money somewhere else? The short answer is no. Manly need will persevere with him because he is a generational talent. But also, uh, for all the pol- political issues they have and the infighting and the sacking of star players, if they get rid of the home-grown local lad who everybody... Not, not one person involved with the club, playing staff, fans, otherwise doesn't love... Tom Dvorojevic, if they lose him, first of all, you'd probably lose Jake Dvorojevic straight away as well. So it'd rip the heart out of that club. So he, he may be an expensive um, baggage to carry, but you can't, you can't let that baggage go because imagine that he comes right and goes somewhere else, you would regret that. Uh, wholeheartedly, and the person who makes that call will end up losing their job. So no, I, it is a really tough situation for Manley. Uh, but look, he's he's gone to the States to do what Latrell Mitchell did and get this uh, this specialised treatment with uh, I think it's Bill Knowles, and they uh, working on his hammies and get himself in the uh, the right position to play. That he reckons he's going to be right for round one, maybe potentially a few weeks later. But he is a guy that needs to stay on the field. Uh, for the sake of family and, you know, just fans in general, because when he is on, dear Lord, he is on.
1: Right, let's uh, look at, at just a little bit of cricket um, and uh, the ManCAD side of things. It's drifting, well, I won't say it's drifting into the ga- game. It's becoming quite prevalent now. All of a sudden, it's made an appearance at the Women's Under-19 World Cup, Guy havelt uh, Where do you stand on this? Uh, and when do you predict the first punch-up on the ground, male or female, is going to happen.
0: Yeah, I think we're probably close to that, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm, I'm 100% for the man-cad, and that's for the simple reason um, a batter, it's, it's easy. Stay in your crease until the ball is bowled, and then you won't have these problems. I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that, and, and the, the game is so far in the batter's favour these days that um, I just think any little thing that, that sometimes puts it, slightly back towards the bowler, um, for me, is a positive. Um, Yeah, it's happening a bit more, uh, but I just think that this will make that as more aware that all they simply have to do is stay in their crease until the ball is released, and they won't get out that way. It really is as easy as that.
1: Just remind us of where you went to school.
0: (laughs) The great institution of Christ's College in Christchurch. Uh, And that's why you have me on, isn't it, Smithy, because... You want no, some, you want yeah. some uh, resemblance
1: of, of, of intelligence on your show. No, well, well I, w- I would have thought you were the essence of decorum and, um, you know, everything that's good about those sorts of things. So here we are, and uh, well, let's put this on record, folks. A Christ College old boy is 100% in favor of uh, the MANCAD. So we can put that on record, can we?
0: I have tried it a couple of times in my particular in indoor cricket days. I, I don't know if I ever tried it outdoor, but uh, in indoor cricket days, uh, that was about the only way that I could get anyone out. So uh, I was pretty prolific. But occasionally old man me and inside the nets of the indoor arena. So maybe that's where it comes from.
1: <laughs> well, I've got to say, um, long, long, long before your time, there was a fellow by the name of Newbegin. EJD Newbegin went to uh, Christ College. Uh, and when he came back to Hawke's Bay Cricket, he was infamous. For what he called, they called him Granny Newbegin, it was the Granny, not uh, Mancat, and he was Christ College through and through. Uh, now, I, I need to talk to you uh, about one of your articles, uh, Sam Ackerman, um, a feature on a young a teen prospect uh, by the name of Marley Igerson. Tell us a wee bit about this interesting story.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's a real intriguing uh young fella. Actually he's uh 15 years old uh and he him and his family just yesterday uh flew out to uh to Brisbane to start a uh, new life over there. Uh he has been um sourced by the Brisbane Broncos Academy. The the Dolphins were interested as well and uh, as were yeah you know, they had some involvement with the Roosters along the ways as well, and he's over there. He, he, this kid is, um, he is, he doesn't, first of all, he doesn't look 15 like a lot of these uh, freakish talents. He has so much skill. He's, his size. He's ripped the streets for a 15-year-old. It's terrifying. Uh, but he's a real humble, lovely guy. He's a national champion uh, in surf lifesaving and a multiple disciplines at the, the Oceans events at the junior levels there. He made the first Dean for his school at Mount College at, um, at just 15 years old and helped them. They finally got a, a bay-wide title once he, um, joined up in there too, representing Zuma you know, Māori and co-captaining teams at age groups there. He is, just, he is a real special talent. But what makes him special is he's not one of those kids who scores length of the field tries or is all flashy It so doesn't have like, some killer sidestep. He has got the engine that every rugby league team needs involved, and he has got a huge work ethic. Put it this way, he made his debut for the Broncos um, academy team uh, last year, and he topped the tackle count from the bench. So uh, he gets in there, he's got a great work ethic, can play in the halves, can play in the forwards. I reckon 13's his natural spot, Um, but he's definitely one to keep an eye on. A real humble young guy, and the the piece that we've put together is a uh, a really interesting look into how a, a guy who's... Bought, you know, born in New Zealand, taken over to Australia for a long part of his time Raised in Perth, hardly a league mecca uh, But has come back and uh, been in Tauranga and, and found his roots and what that means to him going back So a real talented kid uh, And definitely one to keep an eye out for He's only 15, but Mali Arguson, I'm telling you, this, this, kid's, this kid's got everything you can hope for As well as being a, a very humble and well-raised young man
1: Slipped through the Warriors radar, did he?
2: Well, everyone's going to uh, go to that straight away, and listen. I, I don't know how how high he how high he was on the radar. I know he's played in front of some Warriors uh, development teams, but this does fit back into the can't keep them all um, category. And, and listen, I, I think it's fair to say as well as family were he quite keen to get him into a um, into a system like at the Broncos, where there I've got a, a pretty uh, a pretty strong. Reputation for turning juniors into superstars, so I wouldn't rule out Malle Argus one day being a warrior. But right now, uh, I think he's just thinking about getting a place where he can get high-level, consistent footy on a regular basis in the school system and playing in the developments as well. Uh,
1: just finally, Guy Havelt, um, I've just got I've got just got a text in from Patty. Um, um, you may be able to help me out with this. I I, I can't keep my um, hand around it, but uh, I think it's addressed to you. It says syrups no surprises there
0: <laughs> good on you patty i love that he must be a good christchurch lad as well um uh, you know, bit of christchurch banter is great and smith just before we go um not to blow smoke up your proverbial but um congratulations on your 23 years at sky mate um you've had some unbelievable moments uh and calls when it comes to uh some of our most famous sporting moments and um yeah, it would be sad to see you go from from uh, Sky, but uh, as a cricket fan, absolutely bloody delighted that we'll still be able to hear you all around the world, mate. So um, yeah, just wanted to say that hell of a twenty three years. It's been uh, it's been special to be on the other end of listening to what you've had to say,
2: Guy Havelt. Uh, thank you very Twitter, much for Ian. those you're, sentiments. You were trending on Twitter, Ian Smith. A, tri- <laughs> a Twitter trend this morning just about fell off my chair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my wife banned me from that sammy so i can't uh, I, i've got no information about what happens on that on band so uh hey guys a uh, uh, guy in particular and, and sam thanks very much uh for your, your kind wishes uh yeah every now uh, every door that closes another one opens and uh even at uh, this old age i'm so looking forward to it. it's great and looking forward to chatting to you guys uh next when the, the opportunity arises guy have felt sam Ackerman have been our panel this morning